Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and this week we're going to be talking about the 2018 horror sequel, The Strangers Pray at Night, directed by Johannes Roberts and starring Bailey Madison, Christina Hendricks, and Lewis Pullman. In the sequel to the 2008 film The Strangers, a family is attacked by a group of masked assailants at a mobile home park. If you're new to the show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion for the first 10-15 minutes of the show, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, the spoilers, and our review. So that's probably a good time to jump out if you haven't seen the film yet. Um, Brian, was this the first time you'd seen this film, or had you seen it before? This was my first time. How about you? I think I saw it a few years ago. Maybe it was on Netflix or something. Um, but yeah, fun one to revisit. Uh, you saw, like, we reviewed The Strangers not too long ago, and I'm pretty sure we both were fans of it. Do you, do you remember that one fondly? Yeah, I think we both are fans of it. I think we both had a little bit of a, this film is cool. It's not as amazing as I remembered upon first watch, but it's still very good. Yeah, yeah, kind of fell, fell down a little bit. I wonder yeah. how much of that is, like, the theater versus, like, watching it at home. Sure, um, right? And I... I wasn't as well-versed in horror when I saw that in the theater, especially not Home Invasion movies, and I was just fucking terrified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Home Invasion movies, uh, yeah, I mean, that's quite a genre on its own, right? Like, uh, some of the classics there are, what's that? Funny Games. Funny Games, yeah. You ever watch that one? I've still never seen that one. Okay. We've got a request out there for it. Yeah, I guess we should watch that sometime. That's I feel like this franchise really builds off of the success of that film, right? That was like late 90s, probably. Yeah, 1997, I believe. In German? Yes, I think so. Okay, okay, got it. Uh, and then, yeah, Home Invasion. Uh, what, have, have we done a lot on this podcast? Like, We what? haven't done much Home Invasion, man. Uh, right. We've done movies that had elements of Home Invasion, like mm-hmm. Martyrs does for a minute. Yeah, I was thinking um, Martyrs. What else? No. I feel like surely we've done more. I know. Hush uh, is Home Invasion, but we haven't done that on here. We haven't covered that. You wouldn't count Scream as Home Invasion? Oh, no. I just think of that as a slasher. Yeah, he shows up at people's houses and kills Maybe, people. Maybe uh, that Christmas movie? Um, Oh, Black Christmas? No. Oh, Better Watch Out? Better Watch Out, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like Home Invasion. feels close to home. It's uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> it was like it. It's good. Um, this guy, uh, Johannes, so uh, he's done a lot of horror films, like 47 Meters Down. He did a Resident Evil, The Other Side of the Door. He's a British dude. Um, he's going to be working on an upcoming VHS segment as well, which I didn't realize was an upcoming VHS film. I think VHS 99 or something. Have you heard of it? VHS 99, yeah. I, f- I feel like it could be coming out soon, too. I Okay. I got confused the other day. I saw something that made it look like it was coming out this year, but I'm like, that can't be right. But You don't think so? I don't know. I'm not I have no clue. Okay. By the way, someone was screaming at us. Inside. Inside is a home invasion movie which we have covered on the show. Oh, okay, okay. Ins- oh yeah, yeah. Man, Inside and Martyrs both French Extremity plus Home Invasion, huh? Yeah, right. Incident okay. in a Ghostland too, right? That's kind of oh, home yeah. invasion too. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah, those right. French I know. Europeans, they, they love to invade homes. <laughs> they do. <man. laughs> They've done it all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the main guy behind the first film, Brian Bertino, he also uh, wrote and, uh, oh yeah, he was a, a writer on this film. Um, he is also the guy, I think, who went on to do like A Quiet Place and another film that we saw last year that took no, place. No, not A Quiet Place. Oh, he's not A Quiet Place? Oh, yeah, no, you're that's, right. That's, the that's Halpert. Jim Halpert. So, uh, <clears throat> Brian oh, Bertino shit. did The Dark and the Wicked. Ah, and that's the one, yeah. The Monster. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Okay, good. Yeah. I feel like maybe he did one other thing aside from The Strangers, but I can't remember now. Okay, yeah. Dark and the Wicked, though. That was, that was a pretty horrific movie. That, that scared the one. pants off of both of us. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmares. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you ready for our half-hour discussion on Christina Hendricks? You ready for it? I'm ready for your half hour. <laughs> okay. Chapter Discussion one. on Christina Hendricks. Go ahead. <laughs> How does it begin? 
<laughs> it all starts with Mad Men, when she was named the sexiest women, uh, woman in the world uh, in Esquire in, in uh, 2010. Uh, she's since been in, like, Good Girls. Um, she is a, a looker. She's she's looking. Yeah. I th- Wasn't January Jones a big, like, you know, most attractive woman from that show, or January just a show Jones? full of attractive women? I think it might Wasn't just be she... a show of sure. attractive women in, in yeah. great outfits. Uh, right, good right. Set design. I never watched yeah. Mad Men. Maybe uh, a couple episodes either. with my wife, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, I missed uh, out on that one. Who's the other actress that like was in um, like The Invisible Man? Elizabeth Moss, right? Yeah, right. She was in Mad Men as well, yeah. Was... And who's the one you were mentioning? Ju- January Julie? Jones. January Jones, okay. Yeah, sure that I'm one is. pretty sure she's in that. I thought she played John Hamm's wife. Man, we are pissing people oh, off. Oh, okay. Neither of so us knows so... anything about this show and we're just talking about it. Let's just move on. <laughs> I, I think Christina on. Hendricks is is a, a pretty lady, but I'm not as gaga uh, as most people probably are over here. Oh, okay, yeah. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I Okay. Uh, I feel like it's tough to put her in a film like this and expect the audience to pay attention to anything else going on uh, in the movie. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I was just—it's just like so unbelievable. But then, uh, she's playing opposite Martin Henderson, who—he uh, was actually in the movie X, which we just talked about the sequel last week, and he was also in the Ring. He was the the boyfriend of uh, Naomi. Was it what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool to see him back here. Um, this movie seems like it was in production hell for like ten years. So the first one came out in 2008. Uh, they had the concept and everything for this one in 2009, but just kind of kept sitting on the back burner in like uh, 2014, those rumors of it coming out. But uh, it just took a long time for them to finally bring this out. And when they did, it earned about $32 million on a budget of five. The first one made $82 million. Uh, are you surprised at all? No, I'm actually like kind of surprised that it did so well. I mean... yeah. Thirty-two million isn't a giant number, but on a budget of five, yeah, sure, go for it. Are I you... mean, that's a success, and they're making more. Did you hear that? Yeah, isn't that crazy? They're they're making like three more, aren't they? Yeah, and I think they're doing like a remake, which oh, I don't know. Damn. I I don't know that you really need to go the remake route, but yeah, I agree. It's you know, watching the first one in two thousand eight. I don't know if you needed a sequel ten years later. Like who was. It, it, it seems like such a random move to like 10 years later. Like who was sitting around waiting for a sequel to The Strangers? Yeah, it's not a movie that needs a sequel. There's no expanding yeah. of that universe. It's just, should we just do it again? And then they yeah. call it call it a, a sequel? Like it's just, how yeah. do we do the same thing all over again? I know, um, I know. And maybe a lot of people felt that way or a lot of people had a hard time paying attention to anything but Christina Hendricks because it... Got a thirty-nine percent <laughs> critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a thirty-five percent from users. That's yeah. the part that really surprises me. I thought people would at least have fun revisiting the formula, but man, not really. Yeah. yeah. Do you think if it had come out like closer to the original, there would have been like more momentum and people would have been more into it, and this was just like too late to the game? Boy, I don't know, man. That's a good question. Maybe, but I also feel like in the ten years afterwards, the strangers like developed quite a following and there were a lot of people that were fans of it and thought it was super scary so yeah i imagine there were still a lot of people pumped to see this one yeah yeah no, you're probably right and perhaps um, some new fans that were just like oh what's this yeah what's this pray at night cool i'll check that out like what about this title man i i think it's a horrible title it, it is yeah they should just go with the strangers too <laughs> pray at night pray at night is it trying <laughs> to make a pun on praying with an a because um, like is pray at night a phrase? Uh, well, so it, it's more like predator prey, right? Where like some someone is a prey of something, or you're yeah, praying on someone or something at night. Yeah, it's spelled like that, P R E Y. But I'm like, are they? I thought maybe they were trying to make a play on words and like, as if pray on pray at night is a phrase, P R A Y. Like, oh, oh, you say your prayers at night. Oh yeah, but it's yeah. not like people go go around being like, you know what they say, pray at night. Pray at night, keep the bad guys away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I I don't understand the title at all. Maybe maybe as we go through the plot, it'll make sense. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, bizarre name that doesn't have a lot of explanation behind it. Um, but uh, hopefully the sequels have better names uh, when they came out. And it sounds like we're, we're going to be seeing those, like, right around the corner here. So it's pr- probably pretty timely that we're talking about this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of new new titles for the the next movies i can't think of anything <laughs> i can't think of anything funny Pretty enough to say just funny enough to chuckle at it on my own end just ch- chuckle chuckle degree well um i think that's all the background i had um anything else you want to call out before we jump to our Ohio connection um so yeah we, we talked about the fact that this guy johannes directed resident evil Welcome to Raccoon City from last year. Have you yeah. seen any of the Resident Evil movies or played any of the games? Um, no. I tried to watch the TV show recently and wasn't that into it. Uh, I'm not a big Resident Evil person. What about you? I was obsessed with Resident Evil 2 for PlayStation. I played it a lot. And I think Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is kind of faithful to that, so I'm really curious to watch it, but I just haven't done so yet. So I feel like oh. we should cover something Resident Evil at some point. Yeah, do do horror fans embrace Resident Evil as like a horror film or does it get like slotted more as like action video gamey? I don't know, man. I think there's a weird Venn diagram going on there. I don't think many horror fans are all about Resident Evil, but I do think there are fans of the video game that were like, "Oh yeah, that's a cool movie." And I think there's action movie fans. It's almost like Underworld, you know, where it's just like this Oh yeah. blend of action and horror and I'm not sure who the fans are. I, I think a certain yeah. sector of horror fandom is pretty into it. Got it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely an overlap there theme-wise, uh, thematically. I um, saw the first yeah. Resident Evil movie. I enjoyed it, but was disappointed to see it was nothing like the game. Got it. And it's got that actress from The Fifth Element? Yeah, whose name escapes me right now. It's like it starts with an M. Is it Mia something? or? I wanted to say that too, but... Or Milo? But we just Mila. Mia got that. Oh, Mila. Oh, okay. It's Mila something. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right, yeah, let's keep yeah, going. Be... It'll pop into one of our heads. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, well, yeah. Do, uh, you got a know-how connection for us? Yes, I do, but first it's Mila Jovovich, or Jovovich. Oh, okay, nice. Okay. It did it pop into in. my head. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> all right. Uh, as always, our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns a jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in the area, stop by for some delicious food and drinks. Alex says The Strangers Pray at Night is a slasher film sequel about a family vacationing to a secluded mobile home park where they are attacked by three masked strangers. The film was released by the distribution company Averon, or Aviron maybe, A-V-I-R-O-N. Aviron was founded in 2017 by William Sadlier, founder of Clarius Entertainment, and David Dinerstein, a founder of Paramount Classics. In 2020, the U.S. Attorney of New York announced multiple fraud charges against William Sadlier. He was charged with wire fraud and aggravated identity theft to convince the BlackRock Investment Company to invest $75 million in Aviron Group and then allegedly siphoned off more than $20 million into his personal mansion and allegedly redirected nearly $1 million of the coronavirus paycheck protection program loans he applied, meant to keep Aviron's staff on payroll, I'm reading this different every time, Aviron, Aviron, for his personal debts. As a result of all the above, the future of the production company is in doubt. Upon its founding in 2017, the attention was for Aviron to release eight films per year, with the first releases to include Drunk Parents, The Strangers Pray at Night, and Kidnap, an action thriller starring Halle Berry from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, damn. <laughs> I had... He, he got there. He apologized for the length. <laughs> that's I didn't awesome know Halle wow. Berry is from Cleveland. Yeah. I feel... Yeah, that's crazy. We haven't uh, stumbled on that yet. Holy I shit. know. I wonder which, which, which part of Cleveland. We, ha- shouldn't, we haven't covered Gothica yet. Yeah. No. Oh, man. Yeah, Gothica. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Uh, Yeah, I think I did, but I don't remember it very well. Did you? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't remember it either. Maybe it takes place in like an insane asylum or something. Yeah, it feels like it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. Great connection. Wait. So that guy is in jail now. Is that right? Uh, boy. Good question. I I assume so. I hope so. Okay. Well. 
Yeah, I mean, I was I was with him when he was uh, siphoning the money off from uh, the BlackRock investment fund. That seemed okay, but the I guess the pandemic stuff doesn't hold up. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's kind of shitty, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Uh, let's jump into the plot then. Uh, we're going to hit some spoilers and review the film. But before we do that, I think I hear someone knocking at the door. Can I give you a call back? Sure, man. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Everything okay? Who was at the door? Oh, man, it was uh, it was just some random woman. She asked for someone named Tamara. Fortunately, I just watched this film, so I, now I keep a knife by the door. So as soon as she said Tamara, I just immediately stabbed and cut her head off. But uh, I just remembered the next door neighbor's name is Tamara. So <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll just put the body on, on her doorstep or something or kind of forget this ever happened yeah you might just want to look the other way on that one yeah exactly (laughs) yeah sure it happens all the time i'm sure yeah 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 i know you got to be careful these days who you're asking for when you knock on a door (laughs) uh so this movie kicks off with a pickup truck that uh shows up late at night at on a mobile park uh in the middle of the night Uh, a, a woman is sleeping in one of these homes and she's awakened by a knock at the door when she goes to look, we see there's a figure standing behind her inside the mobile home who then kills her, and then a masked killer lies down next to her sleeping husband. Uh, what did you think of this opening scene? I thought it was really lame. <laughs> well, oh, really? Yeah. I, I thought, first of all, there was this really awkward sonic transition from the song starting to turn up during the credits, and then not quite cutting out and not quite fading out once the image changes to reveal this truck coming down the road. It was just, like, awkward. Oh, but that's because, like, isn't the song, like, blasting in the truck? The song is playing inside the truck, but still, I just... It felt weird to me. Maybe I'm being nitpicky there. Yeah. Uh, But then it's just, like, there's a knock on the door. We see there's someone in the house, and she's like, what are you doing in my house? And then we don't see anything happen. We just see her get in bed with the husband, and that's that. It's just kind of like... You wanted to see more? Yeah. I mean, there was, a, there was an opportunity for some, like, legitimate scares and suspense, and it was just like, I mean, maybe that was just all it was meant to be. It was, like, yeah, a very cold open. Uh, it becomes necessary for the plot, but I just yeah. feel like they could have done so much more with it, and they, they didn't. Yeah. I You know, I, I think with the way these movies are paced and how they, like, build slowly, I felt like this was very appropriate beginning because it's laying down the framework for like shit's about to break out later it would have been kind of crazy to have like a huge scene or like attack happen here i i think just in terms of the 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 natural momentum of the movie but uh yeah i can see it being underwhelming if that's kind of like what you're looking for is like like a yeah like a a scare in the beginning sure right i mean look at scream that's a slasher that did did yeah big in the beginning yeah yeah right but yeah hmm interesting how, uh, that Halloween, God, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like at the end of the day, yeah, you're right, this is a slasher, uh, I'm trying to remember how, oh yeah, I guess Halloween opens with, uh, a kill as well, and, and you, I don't know if you see more, but you see, it actually reminds me of the Halloween movie, where, uh, you don't really see, do you see him killing his sister in the beginning? You do, but it's through his perspective, so, through the mask. Okay, so yeah, So you don't yeah. get a clear picture, but you get glimpses. Sure. And then it's more like he's down there and the police and the parents come home. So yeah, I feel like some of these openings are more just like context scene setting, laying down the the framework of something, you know, insane is going to happen. The opening Um, of Halloween was a thousand times better than that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Debatable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I I do like the old timiness of like the pickup truck and like the the cinematography with the lights. kind of on the on the camera blinding blinding it and uh in the way the woman is just like in the you don't expect to see her in the house behind her do you yeah that was cool yeah yep i'll give you that right. cool As a, i'm getting a sense of like where this review is heading 
<laughs> early preview. So we then jump to our main characters, Mike and Cindy. They're taking their daughter, Kinsey, off to boarding school because she's been getting in a lot of trouble at school. Also joining them for the ride is uh, Kinsey's older brother, Luke. So it's the four of them. And this opening scene, uh, you see Cincinnati in the background. So I, that's where I thought Alex would go, but Alex always likes to go for a challenge with this. So you could see, you knew just from your knowledge of the Cincinnati skyline that that's what that was? Yeah, well, no, I think it said Cincinnati like somewhere on like a sign in the distance, like when it did the city view. Oh, okay, okay, and, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, pretty sure this like takes place in that Ohio, Kentucky area. Okay, cool. Um, so on their way to drop Kinsey off, they decide to spend the night at their aunt and uncle's place, uh, which is at a mobile home park. Um, they arrive at the mobile home park, which looks pretty abandoned, and this is the one from the opening sequence. And while they're settling in, a girl knocks on their door asking if Tamara's home. Uh, then she goes away and comes back and does the same thing a little bit later. What did you think of the setting, the characters, the initial knocks on the door? Where were you? Didn't really care for it. I just It's like an angsty teen plot, which is always annoying to me. The family's taking this girl to boarding school and she's just like mean and the family has tension and the acting all around just seems kind of subpar to me from yeah. all four of these people. Uh, so I wasn't super into it. I, I Yeah. Yeah. Not a fan so far. How about you? Uh, I agree. Like you, you don't like, uh, I, I didn't like any of these characters. I mean, except Christina Hendricks, but, uh, for other reasons than her acting here or her character. Uh, but yeah, yeah, none of these people like immediately like, likable, the kids, uh, like, yeah, one of them just like really angsty and like, uh, against the world. Uh, and like, there's a lot of tension between the family members. And I always think with these movies, like the title, the strangers, uh, is it also commenting on the main characters? Like, are they, they're kind of estranged in this, uh, in terms of like the distance between like the siblings, the kids and the parents. Do you think like, uh, the, 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 the title is a commentary on them at all? Yeah, I remember you bringing that up in our episode on The Strangers. I think that's a good point, too, how just maybe they're not seeing each other, truly seeing each other. Yeah, yeah right, that's right. That's fair. There's, sure, there's I like some that. some distance there. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like to think so. Uh, so Kinsey and Luke, uh, they wander around uh, the mobile park, mobile home park, and eventually they find uh, an empty mobile home that they walk into, and they see their aunt and uncle who have been gru- gruesomely murdered uh, in one of the homes, so... Brian, who didn't get his rocks off in the beginning of this film, hopefully this <laughs> got you some. I, I, what did you think? I, I thought their faces cut up looked pretty cool. But what, what did you think? Yeah, Can I thought that was cool. I, I was pleased with this. Uh, the score throughout here has been really disappointing to me too. It's another okay. criticism I have. But yeah, once once they find the uncle, the movie starts to ramp up, and in general, my criticisms start to decrease okay cool same here uh so one thing that really sucks here though is like yeah they find their uncle and aunt murdered they run back they find their parents who are looking for them and the dad's reaction is like luke let's you and i go back to the mobile home so we can see see this uh and he sends kinsey and her mother back to the trailer to call for help why the fuck would you do that (laughs) you have your kids telling you there's like a dead body there get the fuck out of there right isn't it funny where how we just watched a movie in Barbarian where a man checking something out instead of taking someone's word for it yeah. is kind of commentary <laughs> on masculinity. Yeah, and here you but, have that again. And this is just a basic plot point, like yeah, as a given. You don't think that was this kind of playing on the like yeah I, I, the dad like feels like he needs to check it out and verify it and you know it doesn't turn out too well for him. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think this was, I don't think this had that much to say. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, unfortunately when Kinsey and her mom get to the trailer, there's a masked assailant willing, there's a masked assailant waiting for them in the home who attacks them. The women run, uh, and lock themselves in the bathroom and, uh, Cindy is able to get Kinsey out through the sky window just before this masked woman comes in and murders Cindy while her daughter watches her mother getting murdered. Uh, was, did this pull any heartstrings for you? Um, not particularly because 
I, I just wasn't feeling connected to either of the characters. And sometimes when two characters are separated like that, they have a bit of a touching moment right beforehand. Yeah. I don't know that we really got that with these two, if I remember correctly. Um, I think it was the scene itself was done well enough, like with the suspense and the tension and everything, but wasn't tugging on my heartstrings or anything. How about yeah. you? No, same. I, I feel like it, it meant to like be a powerful moment here of like a daughter seeing her mother, like getting stabbed in front of her and killed. But yeah, I'm with you. Like I didn't feel like the emotional connection between those two. They were already like pretty estranged and distant. Um, so like, yeah, we didn't really have great bonding there, which could have pulled it in. But yeah, as a kill, I think it, it works pretty good, but it's much missing the emotional element. Yeah, and I think as a kill, it works pretty good. But then the aftermath of the kill really kind of takes the wind out of its sails. We see a really quick shot of Christina Hendricks dead that isn't particularly gruesome or haunting or anything. It's just like, here you go. Now you know she's dead. And then we get a 20-second dolly shot on a mailbox with a smiley face on it with ominous music playing. We had already seen this mailbox with the smiley face painted on it. Yeah, it goes back to that mailbox. <laughs> it, li- it goes back. It literally is 20 seconds. Damn. And it just slowly like dollies forward to push in on this yeah smiley face and it's just what new information is that giving us what sense of atmosphere does it create mm. we already saw it. we know they're being targeted it's just there were some yeah. things like that in this movie we had already seen a few times up to this point lots of ominous shots of inanimate objects with ominous music playing in the background it's just <laughs> it feels like somewhere in the editing they just this movie got away from him. Like, yeah, it, it was not well edited at all. Oh, it almost okay, feels okay. like a shot that was just taken as B-roll, and they're like, let's put it here, Stir sure. It and there. it's just, no, it's not a good place for it. Well, the, the smiley face, I think, is uh, tying it, because when they get to the trailer park and they find that note that's supposedly written by the uncle and the aunt, who we know now were dead, um, it's got a smiley face on there. So I feel like every time you see it, it's kind of a sign that these guys are around or like they've like claimed that land, right? Yeah, but we had already seen the smiley face <laughs> on this mailbox on when they box. pulled in. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's true. Like they pulled yeah. in from the other direction so the characters didn't see it, but we saw it. Oh, yeah. And it's not like just like, hey, you saw this the first time, right? Did you? Or did you not? <laughs> did Here you go. <laughs> There's 20 more seconds. Of Get a little closer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some music helps? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Trust us, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it looks happy, but it's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you might be right. Maybe they, they, they went too far with that one then. Um, but yeah, so while uh, at, right after this happens, we jump to Luke and Mike. They're at uh, the other home. They found the dead uncle. Um, they start getting attacked by a masked man from outside the window. The two of them rush back to their mobile home, uh, to and, and they find uh, uh, the mother dead and Kinsey is missing. So the two get into a van and they start driving around uh, calling out for her. But something smashes into their windshield and the van crashes into a home. Mike, uh, the father, gets impaled and can't move. So Luke decides to... uh, He tells Luke to go find Kinsey and leaves him there. So after after Luke leaves, uh, the masked man shows up and enters the car turns on the radio and murders Mike with an ice pack to the ice pick to the face. Uh, what do you think of this kill? <laughs> an ice pack. <laughs> what happened? Sorry. That just gave me the giggles so hard. Imagining someone murdering someone with an, with an ice, ice pack? pack to the face like <laughs> it's doable man those are pretty hard and cold oh yeah it's doable <laughs> it's just like what if he just like reached in his pocket pulled out a frozen ice pack yeah guys like what, what? <laughs> ow I ow meant, <laughs> i meant to bring a pick but they gave me a pack instead <laughs> the guy at the gas station misheard me yeah i guess this will but do. i make the best with what life gives me <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, what'd you think of this murder? Uh, I liked it. I, I thought it was actually pretty cool. Uh, there's a cool, I think it might be like a dual biopter shot where you see the dad in the fore, forefront or the fore screen. 
foreskin, I think, mm-hmm. uh, of the shot. And then in the background, also in focus, you see the the stranger dude, the, oh, the guy in the Oh, before he gets mask. into the car, right? Yeah, like lurking yeah. in the background. So you know he's going to approach the vehicle and finish him off. And yeah. it was kind of suspenseful. It was well done. It was a gruesome kill. Um, and this is where I started to notice that they're playing a song, like specifically an 80s song, every time this somebody gets killed. Yeah, sure. Yeah, music plays a big role in this film. Uh, even like just from the opening you were talking about, like uh, it kind of starts with like them blasting music. Uh, and it's like this 80s music, which I think, I thought it like creates a very interesting vibe because uh, everything about them is like so old timey. But then like 80s is kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's like a cool kind of retro. So I, I thought it worked. What, what would you think? Did you feel like the music was fitting this? I felt it was, I felt it was pretty forced. Like there were some really cool musical moments in the first film like uh with the record player yeah with the record player and sprout and the bean by uh joanna newsom newsom yeah wow i love her so much i feel so sad that i forgot (laughs) her name um like the should we go outside line in that song it just it felt like they were kind of trying to ape that from the first movie or like oh hey well like that was cool about the first one so let's do that again here yeah because literally from now on no not from now on. The entire movie, nobody gets attacked without an 80s song playing. I think they're all from the 80s, but yeah, no one gets attacked without music playing. Yeah, but uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I feel like they could have easily copied what they did in the first one. And like the, the style of music there was like really folky on a vinyl. But I, I feel like it's a cool change. Like here you are 10, ten years later and the music you're playing now is like this uh, 80s like pop music, which... It's kind of like a, a much stranger choice to be uh, combining, but the bizarreness of it is, is kind of interesting. So so the commonality is like, yeah, they're using music again to kind of score these murders, but it's cool, I think, that they went in like a different direction with the music. I think it's odd. And it's not just like music in the score, everybody, or in the soundtrack. It's like diegetic music, so the characters can hear it. So that means yeah. when the woman stranger... What dollface is that her name? Barges into the bathroom. She flicks on a stereo out in the like main mobile home yeah. before she barges into the bathroom. It's just like yeah. it's okay. Too then the guy turns on the radio in the car. It's too forced to me, but yeah, I, I'm nit, I'm nitpicking this movie obviously. Sure. So here I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's just these three killers. Like so, their masks are awesome. I I feel like that's like one of the strengths here. And I just feel like they're masters of theater in, in their kills. Like, every kill, like, uh, in, like, how it's staged, their surroundings, the way things turn on and off, and the way the music comes in, I feel like they create these, like, settings that uh, are just, like, so disorienting, uh, but kind of neat when they when they come in and do these kills. And I think this car one is, is really cool, because you're like, what the fuck's this guy doing? He's, like, sitting there putting on pop radio and then, like, just kind of, like, staring at this uh, thing. It's almost like they're toying with uh, people with the use of music and uh, and and how they're killing them. That's a good counterpoint, and that was very much what was going on in the first one, too. It was theatrical, like you said. They were deliberately toying with them and fucking with them. Yeah. Trying to get them in a weird psychological space as well as, as murder them. So Right. Hey, while we're on the subject of this guy, by the way, his name's Damien Maffi, or mm-hmm. Maffi. He was also a bad guy in Haunt. Oh, and, and he's wrong, the masked man here, right? Yeah, and he was in Wrong Turn 2021. Oh, okay. I also noticed, this will perk up the ears of some of our listeners, that he's going to be in an upcoming movie, which is a sequel to The Mutilator, a slasher from 1984. Wow, cool. Which is currently in post-production, according to IMDb. Okay, cool. Damn, uh, big, big star to have, because like, yeah, he never really sees his face or anything. Yeah, he's but, just uh, like a dude in a mask in, in some scary yeah. movies. yeah. Cool. Good for him. Uh, well, yeah, so he kills uh, the dad here. Luke finds Kinsey, who's in the middle of being attacked by one of the masked women, and uh, he helps her escape. They hide under, or he hides her under Stowell because she's injured, and he goes to find a phone in the visitor center. There he gets attacked by the other masked woman who comes running at him, and he just knocks out with a golf club and then stabs to death. Then the masked man shows up and they have a struggle in the pool. Uh, again, like while well, an 80s song, uh, I think a total clips of my heart is like blasting uh, while this kill is happening. 
and Luke gets stabbed by the man and he's left in the pool to drown but fortunately Kinsey shows up and drags her brother to safety I thought this was an amazing sequence What, what did you think of this I had heard this hyped up on Twitter and on our Discord server, like ever since m- this movie came out, people have been talking about the pool, the pool scene. Oh. I just thought it was good. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't get the hype ab- around it. it. I'm not saying it was bad in any way. It was a cool scene. Yeah. But why it was hyped up like this, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I mean, what I, did I you love about it? Defend well, I, it. I, Okay, I love how the the first attack, like the camera's like zoomed out, so you're just seeing him by the pool, and suddenly like she runs from behind, but like this is all like happening from far away, and you also like don't expect him to just like suddenly swing around and like nail her. So that right. I thought that was like a really cool attack from like a distance, like you don't see that happening too often. You're not like up close and intimate. And sure, then, that was cool. Yeah. And then I thought the other creative stuff here was the struggle in the water because as you go underwater, yeah, that that sound, that music is blasting above. But every time like you would go underwater or like when he was lying in the water, like kind of bleeding out and his ears go underwater, like you'd hear the music kind of go underwater as well. So I I, I thought it did a really good job of like putting you there with the character. And I, I love like when he's like trying to walk out of the pool and the guy's like right behind him and just like coming up on him and stabbing him. So... Uh, yeah, I just thought this was like a really intense, like, I don't know, five to ten minute sequence that uh, uh, like evolved and like paced itself well. The only downside I thought is that Luke didn't die here. Like, I don't know how he survived this. But uh, overall, I thought it was like a pretty well orchestrated attack. Cool. Yeah. So, sounds bored. like you like the mix of like shot selection, like the long shots and the close ups and the sound design and the varying of the music and stuff. Yeah. All right. Fair defense. I, yeah. Right. I'm not saying I was bored or that it was bad in any way. It just it was hyped up like it was God's gift to to horror. And <laughs> <laughs> the, it was just cool. The second most famous uh, pool scene on on uh, in, in Hollywood. Uh, what, what do you, <laughs> what's the when you hear like oh that's a great pool scene or like that movie's got like a best pool scene? Do we all think about the same person. <laughs> Is it the oh man? What's that movie called? Uh, I'm thinking Showgirls. What are you thinking? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> what are you thinking? I thought it was the one. Oh, God. Everyone's screaming at us all the time. Oh, you, you thinking Nightmare on Elm Street? These idiots can't two. think of the most obvious things. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. That's the movie <laughs> I'm thinking of. That's the best pool <laughs> okay, scene of all time. That's, yeah, that's on one end of the spectrum. No, <laughs> it's the. Uh, I want to say Wet Hot American Summer. That's not what it's called. It's, uh, gosh, it's got Phoebe Cates from Gremlins, and she takes off her top to that car song what is that movie called it's not like fast times there you go fast times at ridgemont high oh yeah yeah there's that one yeah yeah all right cool so this is like number two or three right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah after nightmare (laughs) on the street 2 showgirls (laughs) yeah exactly yeah all right so uh yeah kinsey has shown up and taken her brother to safety somehow he survived uh so kinsey goes to seek help and a park ranger shows up, and uh, unfortunately, he gets killed by the other masked woman who's still alive, um, who then attacks Kinsey while she's in the car. Kinsey manages to pull a shotgun on her and shoots her. Um, but before she kills this woman, she asks her why they're attacking the family, and the masked woman responds, why not? Uh, what did you think of this attack scene and, and this bit of dialogue? I thought this was cool and a cool bit of dialogue and the woman says it with like real crazy eyes as blood is like spilling from her mouth. Like Yeah. No mercy, just like smiling. Yeah. 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 Uh just creepy. I think the the mindset of the attackers in both of these movies is one of the creepiest things about it. Right. Um also we didn't touch on it, but there was a interesting moment where she's in a tunnel, like a playground tunnel. Oh yeah. Uh it's one of those things where it's just like the construction tubing that they've like cut in half to make a tunnel out of. And so it has a curve. So you can't really see necessarily always what's on the other end. And she's like, like, please stop or something like that. And then you hear the voice right next to her, but we've just started. Like <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. That was creepy. That was like, yeah. Yeah. I agree. So much of what makes this movie scary is like these three, like being so, unpredictable and like having like no rational thought behind like why they're doing any of this like no motivation they're just like so unhinged i feel like there's very realistic element there on like society and serial killers like they just like uh yeah why why not do this like it just seems like so normal or just uh yeah so yeah it's it's a really cool sentiment yeah i feel like it like it's almost a commentary on 
thorough and utter complete boredom <laughs> just yeah. like yeah i'm tired of everything else like nothing yeah. I'm, i don't feel anything i'm numb right let's try this exactly you need some shock value in life yeah yeah it's disturbing uh, it is it's very disturbing and, and i think they hit that really well here uh so after killing this woman the masked man shows up so he's the last one left and he's in his truck and he starts ramming kinsey's the car that kinsey's in uh, Kinsey gets out and she sees there's gas leaking from the pickup truck so she lights it on fire sets the truck on fire um, the masked man and, and this is very like Christine right uh, yes and, yeah it did look very much like an homage to Christine yeah and so the masked man is like chasing her now while the truck is on fire and she's kind of running in front of it uh, he gets out uh, of the truck with his axe but he passes out Kinsey hails down this passing pickup truck and jumps into the back, but the masked man also jumps on. She grabs a bat and beats him off the truck, um, supposedly killing him. Uh, what'd you think of this sequence? I actually thought this was really cool. I like the third act of this movie. That's when, once the kills started happening, I was going easier on it, but then the third act was when I really kind of ran out of criticisms and started to truly enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I think once the kills start happening, uh, yeah, I think it gets pretty cool and creative and the shots are like, yeah the shot of the burning truck coming after her and all that stuff yeah Pretty right cool stuff. and it's interesting because so much of the editing towards the beginning and middle of the movie was just so strange and questionable why are we seeing this shot why are we seeing this shot for this amount of time but then in the third act i felt like everything was edited and paced out very smoothly and deliberately and suspensefully like yeah. It was almost like two different people edited this movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah. The the one that wrote the Prey at Night versus the one that <laughs> yeah. This guy came up with this title. He doesn't yeah. know how to edit, but everything he does, he shits gold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get, let him give it a try. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, it is like two two films uh, front and back. Uh, it's but but yeah, I'm, I'm glad the the back end of this film delivers. It ends then with uh, Kinsey. She's at the hospital with her brother Luke, who's recovering, and she freaks out when she hears a knock on the door, and that's where the movie ends. Um, and so yeah, what, what were your thoughts? What did you think of this film? Boy, man, I don't know. I, I'm like right right in the middle on it because the the beginning, like I said, just not really enjoying it much at all. I still think. Even once the kills started happening, there was more that could have been done to create tension. Like, this movie could have used a bit more careful camera placement and shot selection, better timing in the editing room. They did nail that a few times, for sure, but I think there's a lot of opportunities that were missed. And the dialogue towards the beginning and the performances made the family not very likable or relatable, so I wasn't too entrenched in their fate. It also just made that beginning hard to watch. I think one thing I'm realizing as we go here, oftentimes the acting gets better once people start dying. I know nothing about acting or the skills involved. I have to believe acting utterly terrified and the acting that involves like the nuance of relationships or human discussion are like two different skill sets. And it feels like the people in this movie had the screaming and running in terror skill set, but didn't have like the nuance of day-to-day conversation and family drama skill set. Like, yeah, that part felt just fairly whiffed to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. It was really hard to get bought into them in the beginning. And yeah, you could see the holes in their acting. Uh, I even thought on some of the attack scenes, uh, especially like Christina Hendricks, when she's getting attacked in the trailer, uh, I, and she's like yelling, like, get away from us or something. Uh, I, I felt like that felt a little flat. So yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like the acting in this wasn't like the best, but it does get better as the story goes. Actually, I don't know if it gets better or just like the rest of the plot picks up and helps cover for that. Right. But, yeah. Sadly, Christina Hendricks, I think gave the, the weakest performance here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was unfortunate. Honestly, the best performances probably come from um, the kids, Damien Maffey from The Man in the Mask. Oh, <laughs> Emma Bellamy as Dollface and Leah Enslin as the pinup girl, who's really sure. not in this much. She's yeah. the one who sprints at the kid, but right. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. They're, they're like really creepy. I mean, it's a combination of those like crazy, like scary masks, and then like their eyes, like inside the mask. Like I feel like they're so good at like uh, wandering their eyes around, or the minimal dialogue, like they do say, like uh, who, who's the who plays the 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 the, the woman? Leah. Oh wait, Emma Bellamy plays like oh, yeah. a blonde woman, Dolphy. Yeah. Yeah, the the few times that she talks, it's like so scary. Like she's like asking one time ago, "Are you gonna shoot me?" It's like really it sounds like really vulnerable, but it's like holy shit, you're this serial killer. Like, uh, why do you sound like so like scared or friendly? Or, she's yeah. so yeah, it's it's so unhinged. And you're right, it's only like three or four lines delivered, but it's really yeah. you couldn't say those lines any better for for right. what this movie is. Exactly. Yeah, it really adds a layer there. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think they, their physicality and and their posture and everything. Yep, that's again trying to get into the mind of an actor. I don't understand the skill set involved, but I got to believe that's not as easy as it looks to be scary. Yeah. You know, just put a mask on somebody and tell them to stand there. Certain people are going to do that way better than other people, even though it sounds like, well, how easy could you could it be? Right. But, yeah, these guys make it work. Yeah, yeah. I think they. I think they. They do a lot that you aren't. You couldn't really, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You couldn't like put into words what their like little what X is factor is, but they yeah. they do it. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So yeah, I'm with you. Acting uh, by the main character is not great. Characters aren't that likable. Luckily, the second half takes away from it. Uh, what are some other strengths or weaknesses you'd call out? Yeah, boy, I'm just going to sound like a broken record every time I say anything else, but I do think the forced diegetic music for every kill was unnecessary to i think if you did it a few times it may have stood out more yeah uh but after a while it felt forced some of the character logic was pretty ridiculous if you really start picking that apart i tend to try not to do that but for a good chunk of this movie the kid had a gun yeah and he just just like loses it he didn't (laughs) use it at all he's running away he's like going into short or like small tight spaces instead of just like putting his back up to a tree and pointing a gun at anything that comes towards him. It's also like hard to believe this entire trailer park facility was fenced in with barbed wire. Like maybe it was, but they're like so confused every time they go outside. Like, where are we? How do we get out of here? <laughs> Follow stuck. the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that, that was really hard for me to believe. Like the first one I think works because they're trapped in a house and like they can't escape. Here you're like outside. You have like 360 degrees you can go in. It seems like you should be able to survive this pretty easily. But yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You've got 360 degrees and a gun. Like, yeah, exactly. What? Why? <laughs> yeah. yeah this the choices should... you're making are not good. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like no one had peripheral vision in this film. Like, there are a lot of times where, like, the like you as the viewer would see, like, the person walking up to them or behind them, and, like, they don't, they're not, like, looking on the camera or something. Right. In the dead of night, you don't you don't know that yeah. there's somebody over there. Exactly. Um, uh, boy, I agree. Side note. So I've got these like little uh, LED lights on the back of my computer that mm-hmm. I can like turn any color to just kind of make like a back backdrop against the, like behind the TV. And something I'll do sometimes is like within the first five minutes of movie, try to like guess the color scheme and just light the wall that color. Yeah. Uh, and did you notice how very like orange, yellow, brown, like it's like kind of like a copper tone. Oh, the interesting. whole movie is this color. Really? Oh, okay. It, no, no, I it's just that. one of the starkest examples of a color palette in a movie that I've uh-huh. seen recently. I thought Very it had distinct. like an yeah. That, I thought I had like an old timey kind of antiquey feel. I wonder if like those colors play into that. That might have been it. Like a very rustic, rundown. You know, the yeah. first one took place in Texas, or at least it was shot in Texas. Maybe they were trying to like mimic that. This one was shot in Kentucky. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, Cincinnati makes sense then. Yeah, um, that that's what I love. Like, uh, you've got that rustic kind of feel, but then uh, bringing in the '80s music, it's like this weird kind of combination of like two eras that don't necessarily go hand in hand together, and kind of even makes it a little bit more disjointed. Uh, but that it, you felt like that part was forced. I didn't feel like it was forced. I, it, just a comment. Just uh, not a pro or a con. It was just a movie with such a distinct color palette. I hadn't seen one like that. In the- Oh, but like the combination of the color palette and the musical choice, like, do you feel like that worked together? Oh, 
I don't think one served the other. I kind of, in my mind, they're two separate things. Because yeah. this also took place in modern times, so I don't know. We've got so many time, time frames in there that I don't know that my mind can sort those out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. good for you if you, <laughs> if you <laughs> liked that. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like a timeliness to this, um, and uh, yeah, obviously, I, th- I think that it pays uh, homage to a number of films. Right? Uh, you got a lot of John Carpenter influence with that, like finale. Uh, some scream when like she's in the car being attacked and like the woman's got the keys outside. Uh, I, I think this movie like made a lot of nods to other films, right? Yeah, that's fair. I didn't think about that. I did think about Christine in that one scene, but yeah, scream, sure, sure. Yeah, and an homage is back to the first. Tra- I mean, I know it's the same characters. The killers are theoretically the same characters, but they unscrew the light bulb again, and oh, the yeah. swing is moving, which makes you blink. Thinks she was outside on the swing again, like she was in the first one, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's some callbacks to the first one too that are kind of kind of cute, I guess. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um well, all right, do you want to jump to the rating then? Yeah, let's do it. All right, how many uh knocks on the door by someone looking for Tamara? I'm going to give this two and a half knocks on the door. I was in between two and a half and a 3, but I feel like I'm ragging on it quite a bit here as we discuss it, so I think <laughs> I'll I'll go back to two and a half. I mean, yeah. it's really a bad movie <laughs> up for up front and then a decent movie on the back end. Okay. A good movie in the third act, but maybe yeah, too yeah. little too late for me. Interesting. All right. Uh, I thought like, uh, the good movie came right on time, uh, for me. So I, I was a little, I thought it was a really fun watch, really like atmospheric. So I, I gave it three and a half knocks on the door by someone looking for, Tamara I, I thought uh you're right like really weak in the beginning not not great but once like the killers come on screen and we get more of them uh the kills are awesome these masks are so great the theater that they create around every kill works well and I I, I thought the music choice uh fit the movie really well and gave it like an extra dimension or layer of like um insanity which like the characters bring I feel like these three are like some of the best sla- like these three characters uh these killers are like up there with like the Michaels, the uh, Jason. Like I, I'd put them ahead of Jason. Like I, I think these are like some of the best slasher people in the genre. What do, what do you think? You know that's a interesting point. Like I feel like the faces of slashers that goes down in history is almost solidified via merchandise. Like little drawings people do with all the slasher killers on them, or clothes yeah. people make with them on there, the or little guy, figurines. Yeah. And right. you really don't see the strangers depicted on any of that stuff. Maybe because you'd right. have to do all three oh, to yeah. make people understand who they were. But right, huh? They're pretty iconic, man. I'll give you that for sure. And I, I think, think they're so. the best part of this movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. That should be like a more famous like uh, for Halloween. People should be like wearing a burlap mask on their face, and it's like, oh, it's a dude from The Strangers or something. Right. Because uh, yeah, that's a very effective mask. Uh, and like a really interesting trio, which I, I guess in slashes usually you just have like one character who's like the titular. Yeah, uh, I think that's part of it. I think maybe because they share the spotlight, you don't. It's not so easy to just be like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna put one face for every other movie, but three faces for this movie. Right. Also, as creepy as the burlap sack is, it it, it doesn't differentiate itself. Other movies have done that. You know, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, oh, yeah. uh, Trick or Treat. Uh, Nightbreed, like it's mm. not an original, That's true, a wholly yeah. original look. Even though I, I don't think it's aping anything, I think it's creepy and its yeah. own thing in these movies. But for yeah. terms of merchandise and marketing and and movie art and stuff, it, yeah, it may not be as distinctive not, enough. Not have the IP, yeah, yeah. I hear you, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think as as killers though, the, these are like some of the best on on screen and. Uh, I hope like with the sequels, like they never like try to like explain who they are or anything. Cause like part of like the craziness here is like anyone who meets them, uh, you're dead. I guess in this film you had two survivors, but, um, yeah. 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 What do you think about that? And you know, the first one was so nihilistic the way it ended. How do you feel about the two kids ending up surviving in this one? Not great. I think I would have preferred they would have died. Uh, Luke like definitely shouldn't have made it out of that pool. And, uh, yeah, I would have loved to see like a similar, Nihilistic. I, I think that ending in the first one was a big part of like how messed up of a film this was. So yeah, that hope 
at the end of this one is is kind of off-putting. What, what did you think? I kind of liked it as a change, but it's I don't know. I don't know how I would have felt. I, I would have been open to a nihilistic ending to get to. I do think you're right that, uh, what's his face? Luke, was that his name? Mm-hmm, the brother? He should have died. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> a little extreme that he survived that. But yeah. I would have been okay with Kinsey surviving. Sure. Um, and in a way it was nihilistic because she just like, hated her family so much until they were gone and then she's like oh shit i actually <laughs> missed them uh they weren't that bad yeah yeah so yeah oh mixed feelings yeah yeah now i hear you uh the last reference that, that we forgot that was a uh, texas chainsaw um uh, i think uh her on the back of the truck escaping at the end oh somewhere to sure. Texas chainsaw right sure yeah yeah all right i didn't realize there were so many homages in this movie yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder if like that was part of the intent here. But once uh, I get, if I either am like really engaged in a movie or really angry at a movie, I start to shut down my critical thinking. <laughs> yeah, I need to Time be like to real in the middle. Mode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. What anything else? That we didn't mention this in in the Pearl episode or this episode, but this was sequel September. We just wrapped oh, sequel yeah. September. Oh, shit. Yeah. And on that, uh, how would you rank the sequels that we saw? Favorite to least favorite? Okay. So what did we do? We did Paranormal Activity. No, we started with Dream Warriors, Paranormal Activity 3, Pearl, and this. Hmm. Boy, it's hard to choose between Pearl. Pearl and Paranormal Activity 3 are my two favorites. It's really hard to choose which is the best of those because I feel like Pearl is the better movie. But, oh man. But Paranormal Activity 3 is such a... You know, I think I'll choose Pearl, then Paranormal Activity 3, then Dream Warriors, then Prey Then the stream. Okay, okay, got it. How about you? Uh, shit, man, that, that's a hard one. Uh, I feel like I'd go with Pearl 2 um, just because, yeah, it's such a special film. And then, yeah, second place, I'm struggling across all of them. I feel like I gave them all, like, three and a halves. Um, yeah, I think you did. I think you gave all the rest three and a halves. <laughs> yeah. It's like a three-way Wow, tie, it's but... been a really three and a half month for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I almost went that way with Pearl, but, yeah, you had Mia Gott's performance. Um, shit. Ah, man, I might actually go Dream Warriors, Paranormal, and then The Strangers. Is that what you said, too? Uh, I put Paranormal in front of Dream Warriors, but it might depend on what day you ask me. Oh, okay. About okay. those. Yeah. I, I mean, Dream Warriors is a way more original movie than Paranormal 3, but yeah. there's just a few parts of it that I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> not that great. Sure. You know, as as fun and nostalgic as that movie is, it's just, yeah. it it's has weaknesses. Yeah, 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 for sure. So does Paranormal 3. Yeah, but Dream Warriors is super creative. I had a good time watching that. Yeah, right. I That has more like staying power. If someone was like, what do you want me to turn on, Paranormal 3 or Dream Warriors? I'd rather rewatch Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, more of a fun watch. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. Gl- glad we covered these films. It was, it was a fun month and uh, excited to get on to doing not, not sequels. Yeah, right? And we got October and some more new releases coming. We've got a yep. new Hellraiser movie coming up. We've got new Halloween ends. I think Terrifier 2 is coming soon. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. should be a fun month ahead. Stay tuned for yeah. some good content. Exactly. All right. Well, then that's going to wrap up our discussion on Strangers Pray at Night. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show. And we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll announce next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where we are chatting up with some other horror fans. You can find that link on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Art. You can check her out on Etsy.com and find some awesome merchandise, uh, including stuff for our show. And uh, until next time, if you are worried about being attacked at home, do what everyone says and just pray at night. <laughs> right? Pray at night. I think that's what Je- isn't you know it? The Jesus old say saying? that in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> pray <laughs> so at night. Yeah, just pray at night. It'll keep the strangers away. <laughs> Boy, I, someone's going to be like, hey, idiots, that, that is a phrase. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> no.
<laughs> oh shit, yeah. <laughs> we were just out of the loop on that one. Yeah. <laughs>